Well, hello and welcome to the Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Tom Santilli, and uh, joining me today is an incredibly special guest, maybe the most special guest of all the guests in the world. Um, it is none other than my wife, who is trying to make me laugh really bad right now, because this is really this is normal, us podcasting together. But it's my wife on the show today, everybody. This is Danielle Santilli. Uh, say hi, Danielle. Hi. <laughs> okay, well, and then there you go. Um, yeah, so this week, okay, so we were going to talk, I was going to talk more about uh, comic books and the Spider-Man movie, but I'm going to push that off a week or two because um, we saw a movie that I had missed uh, through my critical stuff. I had missed seeing it, but then me and my wife, Danielle, caught this movie uh, this week, and it is the movie, it's called The Big Sick. Uh, this is the movie starring uh, Kumail Nanjiani, uh, directed by Michael Showalter, and it's a romantic comedy. It's getting rave reviews, and I say well-deserved because this movie was really awesome. So in that light, uh, I we felt like we would start maybe talking about romantic comedies, so who better to talk romantic comedy with than my wife? You know, so let's... Th- th- yeah, so let, let Danielle tell us... Uh, Tell us first, how great is it to be married to a film critic? I really like the free movies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's a perk of the job. And uh, yeah, we're responsible parents right now. We're podcasting as we speak right now, and we do have the baby monitor close by, um, but the sound is off. But our baby is okay at the our moment, baby right? Is if fine. anybody's worried, yep. mom, if you're listening. So, all right, so. We want to talk about romantic comedies in general, and we're also going to talk about The Big Sick specifically. If you haven't seen it, go see it, and uh, we're going to probably talk about, you know, and spoil things with the movie too. So, uh, you know, if you haven't seen the movie and really want to and are worried about spoiling it, pause the podcast, come back to us later, go see it though. I highly recommend that you see it. Very good. And then, yeah, then we're going to talk about it. So, um, with that being said... uh, Danielle, the the hard question first, what qualifies you to talk on a on a on a podcast such as this, a, a reputable podcast, um the Film Survivor podcast, what qualifies you as a guest on this podcast to talk about romantic comedies? Well, I would say I've seen quite a few being married to you when you get every movie, at mm-hmm. least all the good ones. Well, and some of the bad, a lot of the bad ones. Yeah, that's true. You're a lot tougher than me in, in a lot of respects. This is true. I am a way harsher critic than you are. Way harsher. Your cheese, like, detector is much more sensitive than mine also. Yeah. However, with that being said, there are some very, very cheesy romantic comedies that I love and adore. And I think that part of it has to do with when you see movies and what frame of mind you're in when you're watching them or like the memories that they bring back. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily necessarily cherish the movies if I saw them in a different context. So I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So with, with this too, let's preface it too, because people are just, you know, this is the first time we've talked about romantic comedies on Mm -hmm. this podcast, but what are some romantic comedies that are among your favorites? Um, I'd say, uh, Overboard is one of my favorites. <laughs> Overboard. Overboard. Kurt Russell, like a Goldie Hawn. Okay. 
Which, by the way, they're remaking. I don't know if I told that's you that. That's horrible. Yeah. But I'm that's sure that'll horrible. Be great. I won't watch the remake. I'll just watch the original. Okay. So that's your favorite. Okay. So that's probably one of my favorites. I also went through a phase where, like, Meg Ryan was, like, my favorite. And I liked, um, like, obviously, Sleepless in Seattle was a big one that I've seen, like, a bunch of times. French Kiss, very underrated romantic comedy that probably isn't that good but i've seen it like a million times so what what's like a what's a romantic comedy or even if you can't think of a specific one what's a romantic comedy that goes past that that point of like the cheesiness factor like because i think that it you can correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like when you watch romantic comedy it either ends up being pretty good or you just like are like oh my god this is the cheesiest thing i've ever seen I'd say like 90% of romantic comedies are horrible. What is it about them? Is it you don't buy, like, you don't like like mushiness? You don't don't like romance? Yeah, you don't, like, it's too over the top. Or you don't, uh, like, the characters are too, like, stereotypes of characters, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, Like, obviously, romantic comedies are predictable in a sense. Because you know that it's a romantic comedy. They're going to get together in the end or whatever. Right. So, like, what do you what do you want when you go to see a romantic comedy? Obviously, is it the, is it, does it, does it matter more if it's funny? Like, does it just have to be really funny? Do you, like, what are the things that you care about in, when you're watching it? You don't want to see stuff you've seen before. You don't want to see stereotypes. Well, part of it, though, is sometimes it's the actor's. For example, like, I don't know if I really liked You've Got Mail or if I just really like the idea of Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan in a movie together. That made me like that movie more than I probably would have had it been two other people. It has to be funny and you have to care about the characters. I know this is like general questions, but like what kind of things make you care about the characters? Is it is it the actor, like you said? It's it's the person, it's the performer, it's it's what? I don't think it's necessarily the actor because um, when I saw Overboard as a kid, I, I mean, Goldie Hawn's a huge star, but in my mind, I didn't know her and Kurt Russell. I didn't know they were together in real life. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, they had good chemistry in the movie because they are really together, but I didn't know them as actors before I saw it. I just really liked it because I was a kid and my mom really liked it and we watched it and it was funny and... I grew up with that movie. Plus, I also watched that with my mom, and we and it, would yeah, it's quote a place it. And time. And, yeah. and that's what I love about movies in general is like it's not just the movie itself; it's when you see it, yeah. and you know who you see it with, you know what the movie means. I to you do at that think time. that as I've gotten older, I've been harsher about movies because when I even even when you ask me about romantic comedies, I'm talking about ones that I that are super old that I watched a yeah, long time ago. Yeah, what are some recent ago. ones that you've seen that you've liked? Well, I really like The Big Sick. Well, so let's talk about The Big Sick then. So let's get into this. So this movie, again, it stars Camille Nanjiani and uh, Zoe Kazan, who is amazing. She's she's really an up-and-coming actress that people might know from uh, Ruby Sparks was really when she put bursts onto the scene. Uh, but so the concept of the movie is it is, um, you know, not, uh, Camille is a Pakistani actor he plays himself his name in the movie is Kamal Nanjiani and uh he basically this movie deals a lot with like the he's fighting the the traditions of his parents like the culture in his family uh, the, the 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 history the tradition of like 
the Pakistani arranged marriages. His family's trying to set him up with multiple women, right? Mm-hmm. And he is not into that at all. He falls in love with a, a white girl, Zoe Kazan, and then they have this relationship. Uh, and then, of course, what happens is she ends up in a coma. And then it kind of takes a turn, and it's, it's a movie kind of really about him uh, getting having a relationship more with her parents and then kind of coming to realizations about like what love is and what he wants to do with his life and things like that while she's out of the picture really in a coma. Uh, so th- the movie itself is kind of weird. It's directed by Michael Showalter, uh, who I love. We'll talk more about him in a little bit too. But uh, so that's setting the kind of the premise for people, but like the big sick now. So what about the, this movie? Like uh, what about it impacted you? What, made you invest in these characters well part of it is i do like kamel Mm -hmm. i think he's hilarious i've heard a stand-up before i've heard or i've seen him on silicon valley i like him as an actor i was hesitant going into this movie because i felt like it was like the movie version of meet the patels did you see that yeah i did and did i see that (laughs) okay (laughs) and so a part of me was just like thinking that that's what it was. And in a way, it kind of was, like in all honesty. I mean, yeah. Patel is a documentary version of where he is getting... It focuses more yeah. on that aspect of it, aware of the, right. yeah, the, the, the whole traditional... Well, what I liked about The Big Sick is that, yes, that was, you know, the main plot point, but the characters were funny and genuine and the relationships were you know every everything felt it didn't feel scripted it didn't feel fake it felt i guess genuine is the best word for it it felt real so what did what did you think of zoe kazan because i i think she's oh she's super cute yeah so cute she's good in this movie too and so but yeah so you start there and then a, a movie too i think it's key that Again, you have to kind of people have built-in radars, I think, and it, like a detector. You kind of instantly try to look ahead and see where it's going. You know, we've been kind of programmed as an audience to kind of look at a movie and kind of in our heads, you know, formulate where these characters are going to end up or what might happen. Like you said earlier too, which is interesting, you know, every romantic comedy, the minute you know it's like a light you know, movie, you know, with comedy in it that has to do with relationships, we instantly know, we already know that they're going to end up together. It's just like, how do they end up together is what we're kind of on board with. You know, you know, do we mm-hmm. care about how they end up together? It's like the Titanic. It's like, you know, the outcome that the ship is going to sink. It's the journey of like what happens up until that right. point. When you say it's a romantic comedy where the girl ends up in a coma, you're kind of like, oh, that seems bizarre. Bizarre yeah. world. Um, so and not like does... for a scene or two, like for a big yeah, chunk a of the movie. Yeah, a huge chunk of the movie. There was so much going on in this movie, which was what I liked about it, too. So it was a romantic, like we talked about earlier. Yeah. It's a romantic comedy, but it's also, it's so much more than that, too, because it kind of, it's it has all these themes about the culture and, and you know, the, the kind of the, where people come from. And you don't. It's not. You don't have to be Pakistani or or whatever to. You know, everybody comes from somewhere. Has kind of like pre-established. You know, things in their mind about how uh, things work. You know, and how relationships right. go. And so, you know, I thought it was interesting that 
you have on one hand uh, Kamel and his parents who are forcing this tradition upon upon him. I think he just doesn't see that as being what works for him. Because he sees that arranged marriage, a marriage worked for his parents. He sees that a ma- arranged marriage also worked for his brother. I mean, he sees examples of where that tr- that worked for people, it, but he just sees that that's not going to be working for him because he's already in love with somebody. He's personalizing it that it's not right for him, but you kind of get the the concept that. I mean, they kind of make fun of it in the movie, don't they? The fact okay. that he has a shoebox and his parents are bringing, his mom is bringing in girl after girl for him to meet. I think that it was, okay, so part of it is I saw a short segment where they interviewed Kamel and his wife on Vice News and they kind of talked about this movie a little bit. Which so, it's based on a real story. Yeah, and he made it a point, he wanted to make it a point in this movie that... You know, yes, these are traditions, and they actually do work for some people. Okay. And he wanted to make it a point that he's not, like, mocking what people do. He, he's just, he's saying, okay, this is what is really happening still. Like, we, people, I think some people think that, like, arranged marriage is this, like, concept from history or something that happens not here. Right. And I think that he wanted to say, nope, this is something that still happens. This is a real thing, and this real thing works for people, but it doesn't work for everybody. I should mention, too, Ray Romano and Holly Hunter play the uh, parents of Zoe Kazan. Um, Kumail's parents in the movie are played by uh, Unapam Kerr and Zenobia Shroff, who are equally amazing in this oh, movie. Oh, yeah. They and, are so cute. Yeah, and what I, what I think works generally though is that everything here is kind of a redefining of it you know like their kumail is going through kind of a personal journey not only with relationship but in terms of his career you know that's a common thing that we see in a lot of movies is like you know oh the parents look down on the career choice that the the person has made you know especially it seems like there's a lot of movies about people who are stand-up comics and it's always like you know not the career choice that you would a hope for as right, a parent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he makes a joke in the movie too about like the the chain, you know, for him in the family. Like, and I think he puts like ISIS. Uh, <laughs> I know, right? Above being a stand up comic in the eyes of his parents, you know, there's like doctor, yeah, yeah, lawyer, yeah. ISIS, and then stand up comic. You know, so he's going through all of these things to kind of try to find himself, and at the same time. Characters come around to, like, falling in love with the girl at the end, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they come to some self-discovery. Or the girl falls in love with the guy. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. There's some self-discovery that happens at some point during the movie, but usually it's between the two characters and, like, things that are going on between the two of them. There's all these interactions and scenes. This movie was really unique in that one of the two people in the relationship was not in the movie, really. <laughs> you well, know? I, and I liked that when she does get out of the coma... You know, and she, you know, he goes to her and is like, all, you know, I love you and here are the ashes of the picture. You know what I mean? Like, and he has that big thing and she's like, I think it's amazing that you had this discovery and this, you know, awareness now, but I was in a coma when this was going on with you. Like, I was not present, you know, to Mm -hmm. experience this with you. So I still am back there. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
I can't, I'm not, I haven't gone through a change. Like right. I'm still where I am back before I was in this coma. And that's what I think, I think is so interesting is how everything is handled so like in a realistic way. Yeah. It's not this cheesy, like you said, like, you know, had she come out of the coma and then they run and kiss each other and yeah. instantly they're together. You know, that's not the way that real life works. Like she yeah. just, if in her, in her mind, she had just been dumped. <laughs> right. And then what and is this were, guy doing here? And there were real reasons why they mm-hmm. were not together. And right. those reasons still had validity. You know, I feel like the weight of tearing apart a family, that that gravity, you know, I don't want to, wouldn't want to be responsible for something like that. Like I, she had every right to feel the way that she felt mm-hmm. and she didn't have that time to process things or, you know what I mean, to work through it. She was fighting for her life in the mm-hmm. hospital. So I, I like the way that he had that scene and she kind of was like, that's great, but I'm still here. And then she goes to him later to like see him and he's like, I'm moving to New York. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I thought it was interesting how it was like they just, they were out of step and they each had to find their own way in their own time. I thought it was interesting though when I thought back about it because it, it, it's a commentary like kind of on like what it takes to like, for, for a person to get to the point where they kind of realize what they want, right? It's it's almost yeah. like, I don't know, it's not a coming-of-age movie, but it's almost a, it's a movie like that where, you know, he's finding out what he wants. And it's funny that in the movie, uh, Ray Romano's character, who's hilarious in this movie, in a non-Ray Romano way, like in a right. way that you wouldn't expect him, it's actually a pretty good performance. He at one point, and it's, it's funny, it's a funny line, but he at one point tells Kamal... Um, you know what? You you really need to cheat on your wife, right? Yeah. In order to realize that you love her, yeah. Um, what's interesting about that is, you know, Kamal's character could one day say to his children or to a friend or something, you know what? You're you really need your wife to go into a coma, you know, to mm-hmm. you, you know. So it, it's as weird and as crazy as that sounds. Like for that person, that was what needed to happen, and I feel like that was kind of a interesting commentary like of you know everybody kind of has to go through like these weird there's no roadmap there's no one thing that's going to tell you like how to do something or right where to land it's just going to be a thing that you know you have to kind of go through that you don't know where these realizations are going to come from yeah one thing that i think okay because i i came up with another romantic comedy that came out recently that i think missed the mark Uh uh-oh when it came to the balance of humor and, um, like, character relatability kind of thing. And that would be Trainwrecked. Okay. I thought it was really funny. But I feel like, and this is what, I think that this is my grievance with many uh, romantic comedies, is I feel like they start on a good track. Or even I should even just take romantic right out of the equation. <laughs> Comedies in general mm-hmm. sometimes will, you know, be really funny and really great, and then they try to like take this turn somewhere towards the end of the movie where it like it tries to have all this heart, or it tries to like have a message, or you know what I mean? And it's like just. Why? Why are you doing that? Is that necessary? And I felt like 
that kind of happened in that movie. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was like super funny. And it was still, I mean, it was still a good movie. It was real. it was still funny, but I feel like it fell short and it was because of that like over dramatic twist that it had to take. And I felt like what made the big sick not fall into that category is the fact that it just, it stayed true to itself and it felt, it had the same tone throughout the entire thing. It didn't change. It didn't shift gears. It didn't try to be something that it wasn't. It just was what it was. Whenever somebody goes into a coma in a movie, it's usually a very, you know, contrived kind of thing. It's kind of like the whole, like if somebody has amnesia or something Mm -hmm. in a movie, you know, but this movie for a, a movie about a person that goes into a coma for the whole movie and then wakes up and is seemingly fine. It's very, it's, it's it just feels nat like it never felt like it was a movie plot point contrivance. Right, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Just inter- it's interesting to me that just how it was done. A lot of this is due to the writing, and I feel yeah. like a lot of this is due to the direction again by Michael Showalter. Not a romantic comedy, I wouldn't say. I guess it kind of is. It is a romantic comedy. I guess let's see how you categorize. Um, Hello, my name is Doris. Hmm. It's a romantic comedy. It is. Yeah. No, it's a romantic yeah. comedy. So that sure. movie last year, if you guys missed that movie, it was it's called Hello, my name is Doris. It starred Sally Field and what's the dude's name from? Uh, do you know his name? The guy oh, from I don't New know Girl. <laughs> the guy from New Girl. One of the guys from New Girl. I don't watch the show, so I don't know who that is. So. Schmidt from you know, New Girl. There you go, Schmidt from New Girl. That's not his real name. That's his character's name on the show. Yes, I understand, honey. (laughs) Uh, It's the first time I called anybody honey on the show. So anyway, Hello, My Name is Doris uh, is directed by Michael Showalter, who did this movie, The Big Sick. So My Name is Doris uh, last year was one of my favorite movies of the year, I thought. It was great. It was fantastic. I thought Sally Field was fantastic in it. But it really... Now, Michael Showalter, if you don't know who he is... I've been a longtime fan of Michael Showalter from way back in the state. Uh, he was a member of the state um, comedy troupe who had the show on uh, MTV back in the day. Michael and Michael Have Issues is one of the best underrated series of all time. Do you remember that show at all? You showed it to me, yeah. Yeah, it's called Michael and Michael Have Issues. I think it lasted like five episodes or something on Comedy Central. It was with Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black, who also is from the state. Let's talk about some other romantic comedies. Okay. Um you saw this one, and I think that you would like it. And it was called Obvious Child with Jenny Slate. Oh. Remember that? That was a romantic comedy. With, yeah, uh, it was the, like it, but it, abortion. What was, right. What was nice about it is it wasn't a conventional romantic comedy. Mm-hmm. It was very, I don't, like, it, it had realistic. The same vibe. It had the same tone. Yes. Yeah. It had the same tone. It was the same vibe. And what's interesting is that there's also kind of like the sub-genre of like stand-up comedian movies that have been coming out recently mike berbiglia sleepwalk with me oh yeah was a great movie that was a comedy mm-hmm. that was about stand-up kind of and then mike berbiglia also directed don't think twice last year which right. was about stand-up comedy uh and of course obvious child she's a stand-up comic in that movie i what did you think about that part of the big sick the the whole um kind of subplot with his uh career and and the other comics around him i guess the only scene that felt very contrived was the scene where he like finds out the news that she's 
what having surgery or something i don't know and then he goes up there and he's like he bombs on bombs stage. on stage you know what i mean that scene was like okay of course you know what i mean like that was probably the only scene that i was like of course that's what happens right and, and of course the big guys in the audience who's, yeah who's you know what i mean that. like that was probably yeah. the one scene in the movie i was like all right whatever but I, I as far as like that is being like his job or like those characters being part of the storyline or the fact that he moves to new york or whatever that didn't bother me at all i liked his friends i liked that girl from snl mm-hmm. i thought that other guy i'd never seen him before i thought he was funny his friend yeah yeah so yeah Edie bryant is uh in the movie she's from snl well this will bother you i pulled up this is vogue's put out this year the top 30 romantic comedies of all time okay on this list is a film called beauty and the beast a romantic comedy you mean the one that just came out or <laughs> no like the, Disney the cartoon version, version. Okay, you can't call. I think that's stupid. They I call, do too. Like, animated Disney movies, romantic comedies, or kid movies. Again, like, so that's what I mean. Romantic rom com is kind of can be so many different things that it's kind of stupid. But if you yeah. break that movie down, it, it's I, a I mean, it's yeah, a romance. There's so. comedy in it, so therefore it's a romantic comedy. I guess is what Vogue is saying. But I don't really get that. Um, let's go through a couple others that we might have seen. What are your thoughts on Clueless? Oh, yeah. Clueless is great. I don't think of that as being like a traditional romantic comedy. It's more like a teenage, like. But that's like an older. That, that's of like age the. Story. That's like the. That's like the. Uh, one of the original romantic comedy, though. That That's like Jane Austen, right? That's right. based on yeah. Emma. Right. It is. Sleepless in Seattle's on the list, of course. Yeah. Movies like Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, Broadcast News, Moonstruck. Uh, let's see, Bridget Jones's Diary. What did you think of the Bridget Jones movies? The original one was good. I like Bridget Jones's Baby. Now I remember we watched it together. Yeah, no one liked it, and you it. hated that. Yeah. No one liked it except for you. <laughs> I, but I thought it was good. No, it was wasn't good. good. It was horrible. It wasn't good. It there was horrible. It. Annie Hall, which you haven't seen, I don't think. That is correct. I don't think. Woody Allen. Seen. That's a great movie. Uh, Bring It On. Huh. I can, I mean I can definitely see that as uh a romantic comedy definitely in the same vein as clueless the princess bride oh yeah classic yes groundhog day okay great Mm-hmm. nick and nora's infinity playlist i know you're a michael Sarah fan i don't really remember that one i know i've seen it i don't really remember pretty that. woman quintessential yeah rom-com uh what else we got here 10 things i hate about you yeah uh the wedding singer okay no another one i see i don't they they have la la land on this list yeah really you a romantic yeah. comedy i mean and i mean again it's a movie that has romance it, and comedy but it doesn't that doesn't mean that it's a rom-com to me i don't think it's a traditional romantic comedy i think i do believe that there's a lot of movies that can fall into different categories um like as far as like okay like clueless bring it on you know she's all that like that kind of stuff would be like more like teenager movies right teenage rom-com you know where i don't i I feel like you can't really compare like a clueless with uh when harry met sally with you know what i mean like it's it's not the same. Yeah, I I agree. I totally agree. 
But it's, it's weird, again, just seeing a list like this. Mm-hmm. Again, this is Vogue's list of 30 romantic comedies, uh, the best ever. Um, see, there are some movies on this list that just, it's a different kind of comedy. Like, Bridesmaids shows up on this list. I thought that was a funny movie. But I don't think of that as a romantic comedy, though. I don't really either. But see, like, it's such a comedy, though. You know, like, you, yeah. you think of rom-com as kind of like a light comedy. You know, again, yeah. again I think of When Harry Met Sally. It's well, a comedy, okay. clearly, but... but Okay, Bridesmaids, I don't think of as a romantic comedy because the the main storyline was between the two girls. There's something about Mary. Okay. Uh, Manhattan, which I know you haven't seen. Say Anything. I haven't seen that one either. What? Okay, we gotta watch that. Crazy Stupid Love. That's a good one. Oh, with uh, Steve Carell. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shakespeare in Love. Never saw it. Man, we got a lot of watching movies to do. American Pie, romantic comedy. Oh... I mean, I can see where they're getting that, but I feel like that's kind of in the same vein as like a teenage movie. Rushmore? Ah. Uh, I I guess I can see that as being a romantic comedy. This next one is, uh, it, this is total romantic comedy. This is okay. one of those ones I think that is right in the vein as maybe one of the better ones ever. Have you seen Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Okay. Jerry Maguire. Oh yeah. The the scene, you know, you complete me. Yeah. That's that's the definition of love, actually. Yeah. Of course. Uh, As good as it gets. That was cute. With Helen Hunt. Wally, they're calling a romantic comedy. I loved Wally. You didn't like Wally? Are you kidding? I did not like Wally. Podcast is over. Yep. (laughs) Chasing Amy. What? Chasing Amy. You Chasing seen Amy. That? Yeah, I've yeah. seen Chasing Grease, Amy. Grease, another classic. But see, there that goes against my own theory because to, Grease to me is a romantic comedy. I I feel like it yeah. is. But it's a why isn't La La Land then in right. my mind? I don't know. It just does, it doesn't know. seem to be one. I keep hitting my mic. I feel sorry. like I feel like musicals. I feel like there's always the subgenre. You know, maybe there's that big overhead in genre, and then you can break it down, and then break it down, and break it down. And that's what's tough about lists, is because, you know, you're, you can always pick it apart. I'm going to leave us with this one on this list. This, uh, you're going to love that the fact that Coming to America oh my God, made gross. this list, which gross. I can't believe you don't like this movie. Danielle does not like movies, many of them, that have been made before 1990. Is this true? No, I, I don't. I think that some of the movies that you liked that were 80s movies are not necessarily good movies. Coming to America is an absolute classic. Everybody knows that. I beg to differ. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so, okay, we get. Let's circle back to Big Sick one more time here. Okay. We have. Uh, does it matter how the movie ends? If you like, you're with it the whole way. Like we're, let's say we're with the characters the whole way. We're totally into the movie. If is there, you know, is there a scenario like do they have to stick the landing right? It has to end properly, kind of based on what led up to that point, right? Like if it doesn't end effectively, does that kind of discourage you from saying that you like the movie? Well, you know what's interesting is they could have ended it. I'm sure. Tr- I'm just. Tr- I'm. I don't know if I would have been disappointed if it would have ended after she gets out of the hospital, or if it would have ended after she goes and visits him after he does his one man show. You know what I mean? Like I felt 
Like I really, I thought it was solid. I do, I do think I like the way it ended. He did go to New York. He did, you know, kind of pursue his dream and she ended up, you know, just showing up. We don't know if they ended up together. She just came to visit, see how, you know what I mean? Like I like that it ended as a question mark, but it was more of a positive question mark. So, like, if she just, like, if he goes through all the things he went through, all the transformation, and then she just, like, dies in the coma. Well, I don't... Or stays in a coma for the rest of her life, and then the movie ends. Well, I think that it was, it was not even... At that point, it became more about his self-growth than about their ending up together. Like, it was about him realizing that he needed to stand up to his family and say that what they had planned for him wasn't going to work for him. Even if it worked for his parents and his brother, it it was not going to work. And then, for even him. though I loved that too, just the way it was handled again, the, just to, to comment on that too, is like, so that his family has to disown him because that's what ha- they have to do in yeah. their culture. But we see this undercurrent yeah. of of they're all going to be okay, you know, and be, like right. Kamel makes a stand and is like he basically just refuses to be disowned. Right, and he shows up at dinner. And then his dad is like... I know, I loved the yeah. scene where the dad came and was just like, I, it was great having you as a son, but now I have to disown you, but can you please text when you get there <laughs> yeah. to let us know you got there safe? Exactly. And here is some of your favorite, like, Here's Yeah, your mom packed a favorite snack for you. But she won't look at you, but she, like, made this meal that's your favorite. Exactly. It's so perfect. Yeah, because it, just... like, it shows you the undercurrent of the... They st- everybody loves everybody else, you know, even though those people are going through the motions of, of their tradition yeah. and the culture that they have to kind of abide by. We know that they're going to end up being okay. And Kamal's right. family did not really disown him. They're right. going to be okay. Yeah. And that there was some growth involved here pretty much with every character. Yeah, for yeah. sure. The, uh, yeah, because like you said too, even her parents, you know, they really grow to really like and respect Kamal. Yeah, um, and also their relationship, you know, you see their relationship mm-hmm. grow and change because in, of in the very stress they went in through. subtle, very little ways. That's what I love. Like it doesn't end with a huge wedding or you know something yeah. like a lot of rom coms do. It it ends with you know the the mom very subtly. You know they've been sleeping in separate rooms, and yeah. she just says, "Hey, you know." Is there, you know, she doesn't even ask to sleep in there. She just kind of like walks into the bed. Right. And the guy moves over and puts a pillow down next to her and you see that they're okay. It's the subtle things that make these movies work. Like, for example, you brought up um, the child one. Obvious child. Obvious child. That was a very subtle movie. You know, there wasn't a big grand gesture. It wasn't like this, you know, it was just, you know, the guy learned what was going on. And, yeah, he had him freak out for a minute, but then they, you know, he goes with her and then they watch TV the next day. And that was it. That was, like, the movie. Like, it wasn't, it didn't have to be this over the top. And I feel like a lot of movies now feel like they do. Like, it has to be this grandiose thing and i feel like that's not realistic and it's not does the couple have to end up together is that a requirement for it to to work i no. mean so if they don't end up together you're cool with it. well that. think of la la land if we put it in the same vein as a romantic mm-hmm. comedy they do not end up kept together. and that bothered a lot of people though the people that watch la la land there but were i thought a it was perfect i actually yeah. liked it better that they didn't end up together i i totally agree with that but you go on a journey that you kind of expect that it's a love story, not a 
almost fell in love but story. But it's, it's not... I feel like a good romantic comedy becomes not even 100% about the people ending up together. It becomes about the people that they become as they go through this journey to possibly end up together. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you think about like my the bringing back the two of my favorite romantic comedies overboard, it's the journey of Goldie Hawn's character of going from being this super narcissistic brat to this wonderful person. And then uh, in French Kiss, Meg Ryan's character going from the super like timid and, you know, by the book person to then going and getting having these crazy things happen to her when she goes to Paris and becoming this more relaxed person. You know, it's her transformation. It's there it's the character's transformation to becoming a better version of themselves or a different version of themselves. And that I think is more satisfying than just them being together. Do you what do you identify with when you watch a movie like Big Sick? Are you identifying with characters? Are you is there a version of I know we're married and we're happily married and we have a baby and we have a dog. We have an, we talk all the time about how we have an amazing life. But like, is, are there versions of romance that you're like, that's like the, the fantasy of like, do you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of love or the kind of relationship that you want. Are you, are you projecting yourself into these movies ever? When you were a kid watching French kiss, were you looking at that? Like, wow. That's awesome how she became less timid, like as a kind of a fantasy of your own that you would want yourself to be like that. I don't know. I'm digging deep here. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so for me personally, but I don't know if I necessarily like am watching a romantic comedy and like, you know, wanting to find my Prince Charming or I don't think that I mean, I don't don't know. I don't think that that's what I'm saying. But what I mean is like, you know a lot of people watch romantic comedies and that's like, that's what they want. You know, like they like, okay, here's an example. We watch, we watch the TV show. This is us. And people love Jack. This is us. Right. Yeah. And you know, people want that kind of, they want a Jack. Like a lot of people watch that show and it's not just about the characters on the show. It's about them. It's like, wow, look at that kind of love. Like I want somebody to look at me the way Jack looks at me. Yeah, but Jack is a flawed person. You know, he battles with alcohol. You know what I mean? Like, Not my point. My point yeah, be- yeah. meaning the, the idea that you project yourself and your own personal life into the characters. I'm sure that there are a lot of people who do that. Not I can you, see though. that. Not you. I don't know. I guess I've just not that. I've never been this <laughs> that kind of an ooey-gooey kind of a person. So you can't, you, that's what I'm saying. You consider movies. that to be ooey-gooey. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm not that okay. that way. Yep, that's why I uh, I cry at the end of some movies, and you're like, that movie sucked. Yep, exactly. Exactly. I'm a much harsher critic. Well, uh, Danielle, I, I thank you for joining me here on the podcast. It was a, a tough ride to get here, but somehow I found my way. <laughs> Did you have fun? Yeah, I thought this was fun. Okay, well, cool. Well, thank you for joining me and talking about romantic comedies with me. Really, what people learned is that they should go see Overboard. They should go see, what else? Uh, French Kiss. Well, they're good movies, but I don't know. So these are not movies that you stand by today. Oh, I think that they're amazing movies. I just... So you don't want me to recommend to people to go see these movies. (laughs) 
That's not the point of what I'm saying. I guess my point isn't to say you need to go out and see this movie. I'm just saying these are movies that I liked that meant something important to me. Okay, that's fair. Well, uh, again, go see The Big Sick. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter for uh, stuff at Tom Santilli. My website is TomSantilli.com. This is Danielle's favorite part of every podcast. And... uh, no, I, yeah, thanks for joining me. I'm going to be um, talking about comic books at some point in the near future, but that's probably not the podcast that you're going to want to be on, I'd imagine. Is that true? I don't know anything about comic books. Okay, there you go. Uh, but, yeah, this has uh, been the Film Survivor Podcast. Uh, we do appreciate you listening here to us uh, chatting, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you.